The Toronto Maple Leafs take the throne of the Scotia North Division in a ferocious week of hockey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Leafs Line podcast. I am your host, Mario Russo, and joining me once again is Aiden McCullough, and making his debut on the show, my good friend, Joshua Levesque. Joshua, how are you on this fine evening? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm great. Can you give uh, both me and the listeners some uh, some context as to who you are, what team you go for, and uh, sort of what do you bring to the show here? Well, uh, basically, um, my name is Josh. I'm a Habs fan. I love I love watching and playing hockey. Um, I've been watching and playing hockey my whole life, and... You know, it, it's I I love talking about hockey, so this is this is definitely something I I'd, I'd love to do. Yeah, this is the exact place for you here in the Leafs Line podcast. As always, we have a jam-packed show for you today. I'll be getting into last night's Saturday night showdown between these two original six teams. Their third meeting this week: the Montreal uh, Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get into the Maple Leafs' three-two win over the Habs that clinched them the division title. I'll be getting into the Leafs and are they healthy enough to go on a deep postseason run with a trip to the aisle being a normality for this team do the Leafs have enough gas in the tank to make a deep playoff run we've seen guys like Simmons go down in the past we've seen guys as of right now Frederick Anderson slowly returning to the lineup Hyman still out Bogosian still out Riley Nash still out is this going to affect the Maple Leafs too much both in the preliminary round of the season in the in the postseason and beyond we'll be getting into the battle between Tom Wilson and the state of New York who has been wreaking havoc going back and forth a discussion that has ripped open the entire National Hockey League and all hockey fans alike. We'll be getting our uh, thoughts on the issue and uh, sort of dissecting the battle between Tom Wilson and the New York Rangers and what it has caused in the National Hockey League. We'll, be getting into, we'll be also be getting into John Tortorella, an end of an era for him in the state of Ohio with a season to forget for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Blue Jackets finishing dead last in the uh, East Division. Uh, John Tortorella and the Columbus Blue Jackets last night, following his team's 5-4 victory over the Detroit Red Wings, uh, agreed to uh, mutually uh, part ways. Uh, John Tortorella served for six years, made the playoffs four of those years, and even advanced to the uh, second round in a uh, most probably his most famous uh, thing on his resume would be sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were sought out to go on far in that year of the playoffs. Uh, but uh, an end of an era for John Tortorella. He has a lot of pros with him, but a lot of cons come with him as well as a head coach. Uh, you live by the sword, die by the sword if you're John Tortorella. And finally, it has come to the end. We'll be getting into McDavid and this insane record reaching the 100-point mark in just 53 games. We'll talk about his record, what this means for the league, and where he stands and stacks up to other of the league greats. Uh, we'll be also getting to the playoff matchups. They're basically all set, almost all set in stone. We'll be getting to which one is most promising, and even when it's even going to start. Uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames, both teams behind on the clock in respect to the, uh, in respect to the schedule, obviously with the Canucks having so many games postponed due to COVID-19. But uh, the playoffs have to go on. These teams are going to be done the season by the middle of this week. And the Vancouver Canucks are still playing their games throughout next week. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see when the league decides to uh, pump the tires in the playoffs and see where they go. with. And as always, we'll be getting into our hot take segment of the show. And uh, yeah, that's about it for the schedule. We'll get right into last night's game. Uh, the Maple Leafs taking down the Montreal Canadiens 3-2. to two. The Leafs put the dagger in the Habs playoff security last night, erasing a two-goal deficit midway the second to down the Canadians three to two with the victory. The buds take home a seven to three series 
season series victory over their toughest rival, marking the first time since the late 60s that this feat has ever been accomplished. Uh, the Maple Leafs found themselves down, uh, down one, with the shoe on the other foot, so to speak. Usually this is the Habs and what they have to deal with, and I'm sure Josh can attest to this later, but uh, the Maple Leafs surrendering an early first period goal, coming off the stick of Brett Kulak to put the Habs up one to nothing. Nick Suzuki found the twine earlier in the, early in the second with his 13th of the year to give his side a two-goal lead with lots of game to play. Pierre Engvall took exception in response to this Habs tally, beating Jake Allen with a goal of his own, narrowing the lead to just one. Engvall's goal is the Swedes' third goal in as many games, and he has definitely made it a hard decision on Keith uh, to keep him in the lineup or where he's going to put him come playoff time in the preliminary round, which is likely to be against these pesky Montreal Canadiens. And with the momentum swung in their favor with, favor with the Engvall goal, the Leafs put home two unanswered goals to take the two points from the Montreal Canadiens. Nylander and Marner tallied these two unanswered goals en route to this Leafs win. And uh, like I said before, with the Leafs, uh, with the two points, the Leafs joined a short list of company and finally clinched first place in the North Division, almost guaranteeing a date with the Habs, but most certainly the fourth place team in this division. The last time and only time the Maple Leafs won their respective divisional alignment was the 1999-2000 season when they took home the crown of the Northeast Division. Not the North, not the East, the Northeast Division. Uh, and there's lots to pick out of this 3-2 Maple Leafs victory. But now that we got a voice on both ends of the ice with uh, now a Habs fan joining the crew for this episode here, uh, I'm going to ask you guys, what stood out to you the most in this contest? And uh, what can we expect to see between these two teams come <coughs> an eventual postseason for the Montreal Canadiens? Aiden, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what did you take out from this game and what can we possibly see? We already saw this being the third game this week of uh, between the Leafs and the Habs. What can we expect to see between these two teams going into a playoff series, which is most likely looking to be? Yeah, for me, I got to say that it's what stood out for me was the uh, Leafs' ability to just shut out the uh, shut out the opponent going forward through the second and third periods after having the shaky first, which we saw in two out of the three games against the Habs where the Leafs had struggled in the first. As we saw last game, they gave up uh, two unanswered goals, but then scored three to win the game eventually. Uh, I think that it it was a collective effort between the team and in the third period, more so Jack Campbell, just shutting the, bo- shutting the door on the Habs. So that's definitely what you like to see from your goaltender and from your team, being able to go down and come back or take a lead, give up a goal maybe. But to maintain that lead is definitely a good thing you want to see from your team and your goaltender going forward. Uh, in terms of the playoff series between the Habs and the Leafs, uh, I'm definitely expecting some close games because as, we, as we've seen last night's game came down to the buzzer. There was a shot by Corey Perry, I believe it was, right at the end. That shot could have gone in uh, last last game to overtime, if I'm not mistaken, or if Cole Caulfield scored that goal to win it. So I'm definitely expecting a close series between these two teams. More so a uh, low-scoring affair, I'd say, because definitely these two – Montreal is known for being more defensive, and the Leafs are known for being more offensive. So in that sense, I think they might counter each other. And definitely these are two teams that have also struggled a bit on the power play. Yeah, and with respect to both, uh, the Maple Leafs, <clears throat> definitely a uh... – Big win for them, a game that they can build off of, obviously erasing a two-goal deficit uh, early in the second. Uh, that's something that you're going to have to get used to in the playoffs. I, I, obviously, anything can happen in the playoffs. And I, like you said, it's been so many close games between the two. Obviously, Monday's matchup, I believe it was, 
uh, going to the buzzer, the final buzzer, that is, with uh, the Montreal Canadiens coming on top with uh, Cole Caulfield scoring an OT winner. And I guess Leaf fans are going to have to get used to seeing a lot of that with Cole Caulfield just having the least number so far this year. But I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of games where it was the other, the next game after that, uh, when it was a, I believe it was a 5 2 or 5 3 finish with the Maple Leafs exploding for four straight goals. Obviously, it was against uh, Primo, who's still a young goaltender and has a lot of future ahead of him. But uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing any games like that, uh, both in the playoffs and in the years to come. But uh, yeah, Jack Campbell had a great performance, shut down the door. And I really like what I saw from the Maple Leafs and their stick to itiveness to uh, get down in the uh, get down early, but really battle their way back. They kind of controlled most of the game, both midway through the second and I'd say through the rest of the third. Uh, and you have to give the Montreal Canadiens some credit. They limited the Maple Leafs to just three shots in the first period. So definitely a building block for both teams here, a building game. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, uh, Josh, for your uh, take on this game. And if you could provide maybe a perspective from the Montreal Canadiens side of things and what we could see from them going into the playoffs. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, I mean, from what I've seen lately is uh, Montreal's weakest asset as of right now is their goaltending. They don't really have a, a solid starter, as in like Jake Jake Allen. He's a, he's a he's a pretty good uh, <clears throat> backup backup goaltender, but Carey Price is definitely a huge asset to their team. He's probably their their biggest asset, especially in the playoffs, because he just he always plays incredible. But <clears throat> another thing I've noticed is if Montreal has a weak start, usually uh, they don't really come back from it. On on top to add on to that, uh, Cole Caulfield, obviously the biggest talk for the Montreal Canadiens right now. Um, he's he's been playing well from what I've seen. He he's not afraid to shoot the puck. He he finds open ice all the time. But I, I he's really young. He's he's very new to the league. I don't know how he's gonna adapt to that playoff style hockey, especially because he's not necessarily a super physical player. He's more of a skill goal scoring forward. But, um. A big thing I've noticed is uh, injuries. In terms of the playoffs, I think I think it's a it's it's it'll be a fifty fifty. Um, I'm not I, I I don't know who's gonna edge out the other team because obviously Montreal it, they they surprise other teams in the playoffs. Best example would be last year against the Penguins. Uh, no one was expecting a twenty fourth seed to come in to come out of the first round. So uh, that that's one thing. I'm I'm hoping for Montreal to to come out with a big win. Hopefully they can get Gallagher, Weber, and like Deneau back for the playoffs, maybe even Druin. But if without those key players, I think it'll be tough, especially for, especially for Montreal. Yeah. There's so much to dissect in that, uh, the response you gave. I mean, uh, from a house perspective here, they're obviously, we all know they're a team that performs very well come postseason. Uh, the, the whole mm-hmm. team changes, uh, and injuries will play a part in that. Obviously I don't believe the Habs are going to be fully healthy in the first round, at least. Uh, you got yeah. uh, Carey Price coming back. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be ready for the first uh, round against most likely the Maple Leafs. But uh, you have to remember, Carey Price hasn't played a game in quite a quite a while. Quite a while, yeah. Yeah, for his standards. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he really turns it on, which he always does come the playoff time. He's always standing on his head. And the, and the Montreal Canadiens sometimes really have to rely on him uh, within a series. But uh, I'm not sure. I think it's either going to go two ways here. He's either going to really stand on his head or he's going to be yep. extremely rusty and Jake Allen's <laughs> going to have to take over. So uh, it can go both ways. And I really like that you mentioned Cole Caulfield. And uh, I always talk about this with you, Josh, about Cole Caulfield. Yep. An absolute menace on the ice when he's playing college hockey for Wisconsin. He's always lighting up the uh, score sheet, lighting the lamp. It's, it's ridiculous of what he does in college. 
and uh, in the World Juniors as well. He's had his moments. hasn't just been hasn't been at the top where everyone expects him to be, especially with that uh, U.S. national team and taking home the title last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he's had such a great start with the Canadians now. Uh, and he, the, the, sky, the sky's the limit for Cole Caulfield. He obviously has the skill. I love the way he separates himself from the puck and really moves uh, the play around. And I think he's going to be a player that has the goal-scoring touch and that the play can go just through him. He's going to be that conductor guy, the spark for the uh, Habs. And I think he's going to be a top-line player for this Montreal Canadiens team in the future. But I want to ask you this question uh, before we move on to the next topic here. Do you think Cole Caulfield's going to play uh, the first round of the playoffs or do you think they're going to uh, maybe prioritize some of their veteran guys over the youngster? I mean, uh, to be completely honest, I I'm not sure. Like, uh, there, I ho- hopefully Byron will be coming back. Not sure if he will be coming because it. But if uh, Cole, if uh, Fudge, um, if Paul Byron comes back, I think he might take that spot. But I'm pretty sure uh, Bergevin and Jashalm uh, uh, they're gonna give him a a good chance. He, he's super young. I, I I don't see a reason why he shouldn't play. Because he's been playing really good. I've been seeing a little bit of physicality coming from him, which I wasn't expecting, especially uh, last night's game. But uh, I'm not sure. It's it's a it's a huge 50-50. Personally, if I was a coach, I, I would may see how Stahl's playing because he's been playing really weak. He's been you, you could tell he's he's getting pretty old. But um, I mean, if 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 he's playing weak, I'd say give 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 the kid a chance. He's super young. He's super quick. He he sees the game really well. And who knows? I mean, he's played in, phys- in big games before. He's played in playoff hockey. And personally, I, th- I think you give him a chance. Yeah, and if you're uh, the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, Jashan, uh, I think it's the best in your best interest if you have so many cards to play with and so many guys you can slot in. The, the, the Habs, uh, no matter which way you look at it, they've been injury-plagued, to say the least, like many teams, including the Maple Leafs, which we'll get into uh, next. But uh, if you're Deshaun, you're going to want to play, and we always talk about this on the podcast here, play your hot guys, the hot goaltender, the hot players, whoever's producing for you at that time. We saw last year, uh, Kotanyemi really uh, took a stronghold on the uh, playoff bubble last year, really evolved oh, as yeah. a player, took that next step. Uh, if they want to go the same route with Cole Caulfield, uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Just he has to stay consistent. If he goes to two or three games, and you have to remember, this is the playoffs, right? You only got you have to get four oh, games. Yeah. You got seven, four wins. You got seven games. So you're not you don't have too much time to wait for a player to heat up. So it depends who gets out of the gate uh, fat uh, on the gets off the gate on the best foot. I mean, you uh, if the Cole Caulfield uh, comes game one, scores two goals, gets a couple points, keep playing him until he slows down. And oh. if guys come back, I think Gallagher is going to come back. I'd say maybe mid-series or even the next series. But just keep riding the hot hand if I'm Deshaun and the Montreal Canadiens, who have dealt with so many injuries this year. And speaking of injuries, the Maple Leafs just can't take a break, man. With just two games remaining on the season, we can expect to see a full AHL lineup hit the ice for the blue and white, with a team making its first place clinch less than 24 hours ago. Uh, The only question that lies in play, however, as of right now, is whether or not the Maple Leafs will be at full health come the preliminary season series of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That is likely to start in the middle of next week. Uh, the playoffs uh, residing on the injured list uh, remains Zach Hyman, Zach Bogosian, Frederick Anderson, and Riley Nash. Now, Frederick Anderson has been loaned to the Marlies and is getting some playing time. He doesn't look too good with his playing time. Obviously, if you look at the scores against the Moose, he's really let in a lot of goals, and the scores have been really high on him. Uh, I don't know if you want to put the blame on him or the Marlies defense, but hasn't been too well for him, but obviously playoff games. I mean, uh, preparation games, right? You're just trying to get him into the, back into the swing of things. You have to remember he's been off for a month and a half. So 
slowly getting him in. I don't think we're going to see him in playoffs. Again, that's a whole new can of worms that I don't want to open for this show at least. But uh, Nick Foligno is said to be feeling well and is listed as day-to-day per Sheldon Keefe. Uh, the least bench boss also noted the progression of Bogosian and Hyman is moving v- along very well. However, he provided no update as to when the pair's readiness for the playoffs will be certain. Uh, regardless of when these players come back, it is without a doubt that the Maple Leafs have been battle-tested, to say the least, both mentally and physically <clears> run through <throat> the ringer. Seeing a trip to the injured list become a normality for many of these players. Uh, you can factor this with this con- condensed season, more games in succession, lack of rest, the additional travel, but it still raises the question of whether or not this Leafs are healthy enough to grind through the playoffs. And this is a big question that has been, I, I'd say, on all Leafs, uh, all Leafs fans' minds. As uh, and a team anticipated as Toronto to make it to the conference final, conference final at minimum, season-long injuries and possible playoff injuries create a big obstacle for the Leafs to hobble over. Uh, with so many injuries throughout the year, I'm going to ask you guys this question now. Do you believe the Maple Leafs are capable of going on a deep run despite these problems? I mean, do you think they're going to have they're well equipped or equipped enough uh, to have enough gas in the tank to do so? I'm going to start with you, Josh. Do you think the Maple Leafs are healthy enough to make a deep playoff run? And uh, are there is, are there guys not going to fall off? Are they going to have enough energy to uh, go through the 16 wins that you need to take home the cup? Hey, I mean, personally, I might be a little biased, but uh, especially being a house fan, but in my opinion, like as of right now, they're missing quite a few key players, especially like gritty, gritty forwards like Riley Nash, Hyman, Felino. Like as a Habs fan, obviously, it would be nice to see them come back because it'd make the series way more fun to watch. But um, if they manage to squeeze series wins against the Habs and maybe, maybe uh, either Edmonton or uh, Winnipeg, I, as of right now, I'm not sure if uh, they'll they'll be able to be other complete teams such as like Vegas, who's great defensively and offensively, like Tampa, Carolina, and a team who plays like I always say very boring hockey, like the Islanders. I, I mean, if the Leafs if the Leafs can keep these keep, uh, keep these key players in the lineup, um, I'm pretty sure the Leafs will shine. But it it, it all season. They've been playing fantastic, and it shows. Like their top, their top players are like their top four is playing fantastic. But I mean, at this this at this rate, it's like a a do or die season for the Leafs. If you it's you go all in, and if if they don't if they don't make it far this year, they're, they're gonna have to. They're not. They won't have enough cap skip, cap space to keep the big four moving on. I don't think so. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, going all in, putting <laughs> Kyle Dubas. From the start of the season, before the season even began, or we even knew that there was going to be a season, way back in October, he made the he made the clear that he's going all in and putting his chips in the middle of the table, uh, and really uh, just put it, getting everything out there. He brought in so many guys, he addressed so many issues that the Leafs struggled with in the past. And the one thing about injuries in sports is that getting hurt, as you know, as a player, Josh and I can, uh, Aiden, you can attest to this as well. Injuries are unavoidable. Uh, they happen mm-hmm. at the worst amount of the worst time, uh, even in the playoffs. You could be completely healthy in the playoffs like some teams are as of right now, not in the Canadian division, but around the league. And you can just get hit with the play, uh, the injury bug. And uh, you're, there goes your series. And you can't really control that. It's just it happens. It just happens. you got to move on. But uh, the Maple Leafs, obviously right now, as we're doing the show as of right now, uh, they're missing some key guys that you mentioned, Zach Hyman, Zach Bogosian, uh, Frederick Anderson, uh, Riley Nash, who we haven't even seen wear a Leafs uniform. I don't even know what number he's wearing for the Maple Leafs yet. Uh, but he's a physical fourth liner that can really uh, really change or 
turn the tide, if you will, in a playoff series. Then really yeah, shut it down I, on that fourth line. I, but, I'd so, say he's a really solid uh, – Riley Nash is a really solid two-way forward. Oh, for sure. Uh, obviously, you watched him a lot as a Blue Jackets fan, his time in mm-hmm. Columbus. Uh, really shut down guy in the fourth line. But there's another guy that you really want to have in the playoffs. And I'm hoping, and it's kind of looking like Bogosian and Hyman are going to be set to return for that preliminary round. But uh, the only thing that really concerns me is whether or not they stay healthy in the playoffs. Obviously, an unavoidable thing to do, uh, whether you get hurt or not. But that's going to be a big thing. And you can say this for any team. But for the Maple Leafs especially, and the depth that they have, it's going to be a little tricky to see uh, how far they go in respect to the injuries. I'm going to turn this one over to you, Aiden. Uh, do you think the Leafs have enough gas in the tank in respect of their depth to make it through an uh, entire playoff series, an entire playoff journey towards the Stanley Cup final? Obviously, that's where they want to go. Uh, do they have enough depth and enough guys that can really step up if some guys like uh, their core guys, maybe Matthews or Marner, or even some uh, under-average guys like Spetzer or Thornton, if one of them go down, uh, do you think the Leafs can go far? Uh, I think they definitely can. I mean, if you think, if you uh, look at all the guys that have just come to this team since last year, you've got since the off season, we brought in TJ Brody. You brought in guys like Wayne Simmons to become more gritty. You brought in guys in throughout this season, like Yelchenyuk. Um, brought in more guys like. Brought in Bogo as well, David Riddick. Um, just talking about all these acquisitions that the team has made just really speaks volume. Well prepared this team really is to go on a deep playoff run and how committed this team is to going far this season. And I think definitely with all the options they have, if the full team is healthy, it's going to be a good problem to have so many options because then at that time you can choose – the hot hand, like we've been talking about, uh, choose the guy who's been playing better, who's been more consistent. And I think really the biggest factor that will determine if the Leafs go far or not, which Cal Lewis really did a really good job on, was adding depth at every single position, both offensively, defensively, and with goaltending. Yeah, and that's the I think that's the leg up that the Maple Leafs have over not just these Canadian division teams that they have to get past in the first two rounds, but some of the other teams uh, that they will have to face or potentially have to face come the round that they're so destined to go for. They have these pieces. They, the, the Maple Leafs have such a rich organization, both in prospects and in guys that are on the taxi squad that can just easily slot into that lineup, both offensively and defensively. You look, for example, Bogosian. Uh, if he doesn't return for that first round, you have a guy like Sandine who can really step in there. Another guy that they acquired at the deadline, uh, Ben Hutton, who was also acquired just in case a guy like Bogosian or uh, Justin Hall would go down or Jake Muzzin for any, any defenseman would go down in the playoffs. So like you said, these acquisitions in the offseason and beyond do speak volumes <clears throat> for this team. And uh, it can really make or break whether or not they go far. And uh, I think that's the one thing that the Maple Leafs have. It's better to have so many options than not any at all. And uh, I think this is going to be one of their uh, not secret weapons, but something that they can flex over many other teams in response to a deep playoff run. Uh, We're going to move on to this topic. That is, uh, if you're listening to the show right now, I suggest you put a kettle on because we're going to be here a while because this situation has gone from bad to worse to ugly. (laughs) Uh, Tom Wilson, uh, what a player. Before I get into my debate, tackle this situation. I'm going to just lay out the facts here about Tom Wilson and the situation that has gone down between 
him, the Washington Capitals, and the New York Rangers, as well as the National Hockey League. But Tom Wilson, who is he? Well, he's a physical player, a rare spectacle in this day and age to play with this amount of toughness and still put up a boatload of points. you got to give credit where credit is due. He is a great hockey player, and it hurts me to say that, but he is a terrific hockey player that knows how to play the game and knows his role on the ice. And you don't find too many guys like that in this day and age. Uh, he does run into some hot water, however, with questionable calls, plays in which he loses his cool just a bit and earns himself a seat in the league's principal office, so to speak. Uh, one thing to remember when directing or discussing and dissecting uh, this game in which Tom Wilson took down a pair of Rangers forwards, dusting off a season for one of them, is that Wilson is a repeat offender and has run, has run out of his get-out-of-jail-free cards up until this moment. Uh, so this is the situation as of right now. This is what we saw, I believe it was Monday night, between the New York Rangers and the Washington Caps. So Wilson, the whistle's blown. Uh, Wilson protects his goalie, and he throws Bushnevich right to the ground and gives him an additional punch <laughs> to the back of the head while doing so. Uh, coming to the help of his teammate is Panarin, who looks to jump on, uh, jump on Wilson's back. Uh, the breadman gets absolutely ragdolled around the ice, some of which may lead viewers to question whether it was necessary or not and whether there was any additional uh, discipline needed. Uh, Wilson received a four-minute roughing penalty and a game misconduct following the play as, as he flexed his muscles to his teammates before taking a seat in the penalty box. So a day goes by and the Rangers do something not many teams tend to apply to uh, and release a public statement addressing the game uh, and requesting for head coach, uh, head of sorry, head of NHL player safety George Peros to be relieved of his duties, as anticipated, and as many would have thought would happen. Gary Bettman and the NHL came to the aid of their colleague and responded to the Ranger statement, finding them two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And uh, before you uh, jump off your seat here, take this into perspective of the organization's wealth. Obviously, the New York Rangers are a top team, one of the original six team teams in the league and bring in a lot of revenue. They're really a staple in the National Hockey League. Uh, and the $250,000 accumulates and in perspective is around $5,000 for the New York Rangers to pay off. So not too out of proportion. Many were arguing that they get fined $1 million, make it a little harsh on them. But I think that would make a bigger debate as whether or not the uh, National Hockey League is really trying to invoke fear in the teams and saying that they can't speak up and go against the league. But that's a topic for later in this show. Uh, in the same day, Tom Wilson also got fined uh, $5,000 for his punch on Pavel Buchnevich. Uh The lack of physical discipline sparked an uproar from the hockey community, leading many, including myself, to question the logistics of this call amongst so many others that the uh, National Hockey League has turned a blind eye to. Uh, the following day included a matchup between these two teams with Tom Wilson in the lineup. And before the puck even dropped, a line brawl took formation. And by the end of the first the two sides set a league record in penalty minutes, registering 100, including six fights, before the clock hit zero on that first intermission. Uh, with Wilson heading to the dressing room with an upper body injury, or so to speak, an upper body injury. Uh, following the game in which TJ Oshie, a classy move by him, led the Caps with a hat trick in wake of his father's passing. Uh, Pavel Bushnevich received a one-game suspension for a cross-check on Anthony Mantha, and... Uh, this one you can't really argue at all. He uh, <laughs> he really deserved that one. But, yeah, just uh, a little bit. If you look at the context and what led up to it, obviously you know what's going through Bushnevich's head. But you're you're gonna you know what you're playing with when you're gonna do what he just did. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with this, I suggest watching the uh, highlight of what happened there. But in all of this wave of events, the Rangers fired GM Jeff Gordon and President John Davidson. The pair of sacks was told to be in response to the last couple of seasons 
and holds no correlation whatsoever with the events leading up to it. And uh, no matter which way you look into that or how much you buy the New York Rangers statement on that, uh, they're still without a GM or an interim GM rather, and uh, are really lacking in the management department going into the off season as they are eliminated from the Stanley cup playoffs. But uh, before I give my thoughts and I always save my thoughts for last, I'm going to turn this one over to you, Aiden. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Wilson situation and how do you think the league could have handled the, this, uh, this a little bit better? Or do you think the league handled it in the best way? What are your thoughts on Tom Wilson? Um, well, since that game, I've had the chance to look over a lot of videos about this incident, see the play from a lot of different angles, and the conclusion I came down to, and I think many of us have came down to, is that this is pretty much a joke. This is pretty much a joke. <laughs> Uh, I think George Peros might actually be out here memeing because he, ever since that game, uh, he's just been throwing around suspensions like it's nothing. It's uh, very confusing to say the least. But I think we were talking about it a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Leafs being a gritty team or a dirty team and talking about Tom Wilson in that conversation in terms of being a somewhat dirty player, I guess you could call him. But definitely in this incident, I think as Buchnevich was down, he was pretty much defenseless at this point. Um, To cross-check a guy to the head while he's on the ice, I think, I don't know what you call that. I think that's pretty much intent to injure, you could call it that. I mean, you could say that's protecting your goalie, but I mean, was he even in the crease? I don't even think he was. And he was already being tackled by another player. So that that definitely was not okay. And then the Panarin incident, Panarin went to the defense of his teammate. I think um, it would it would have been one thing if uh, Tom Wilson were to get into a fist fight with Panarin. It would have been totally different because we see that all the time where players uh, have a fist fight where it's equal or one player is winning by a large margin. But this... Um, a body slam to the ice, especially when your helmet is off. I mean, that that could have gone so much worse for Panarin. He could have hit his head on the ice, and who knows how long he could have been out for. Who's definitely a superstar in this league. To so just to see the league not protecting their superstars whatsoever is definitely questionable. And I think I've seen some people comparing this to the uh, Rafi Torres incident a few years ago where he did, um, I don't know if you call it, endanger another player, and he was a repeat offender as well. And they gave him something like, I don't know, it was like half a season where he was suspended. And just to see Tom Wilson not suspended whatsoever, that is just crazy. In terms of the fine, I mean, that is the max fine you can get as a player. And I believe that fine is actually determined by the NHL Players Association. So... Until they, um, until the players' association decides to raise that fine, that will be the max fine at this point. So, it was, it would be physically impossible for Tom Wilson to be fined anymore. Yeah, and before I get into my thoughts about Tom Wilson's WWE career, I mean NHL career, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna ask you, Aiden. Do you think uh, the fine? Obviously, it is the maximum under the uh, players' association. Uh, the NHLPA does come up with these fines. And they kind of set the standard of where uh, where each penalty would lie and how far it can go. Uh, do you think that the league must definitely look at 
raising these sort of fines because it sort of kind of feels like these $5,000 fines, they just hand them out like candy. And it is sort of a slap on the wrist. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know, do you think it serves justice for these players or do you think it should be really raised depending on what goes on on the ice? Uh, I think it definitely should be raised. I think $5,000 for these guys that are making like at minimum $700,000 a year, it's like, it's like nothing to them. But do I think it will be raised? Probably not. Um, there's obviously a lot of players in the league who are like iffy if they'll even do something that's worth an embellishment and if they'll get fined. So I think definitely if they're thinking of it that way, they don't want to be fined too much because they're not sure what they'll do. But so I definitely don't think it'll it'll be raised. Yeah, and it's looking the way the league is going. I can't see it getting raised either. Obviously, it's more money coming out of their pocket and then eventually going back into their pocket. But uh, if you look at a $5,000 fine, and I'm, uh, I follow football, college football, that jazz. Uh, $5,000 fine in football, you can be fined $5,000 for not wearing your socks high enough. And Jesus. you can also get fined $5,000 for wearing a different color shoe that matches the uh, color of the turf that you're playing on. So uh, Tom <laughs> Wilson, I don't know. I mean, I think he's feeling a lot better that he really threw two players and uh, got fined $5,000 <laughs> rather than wearing different laces on his skates. But uh, Josh, I'm going to turn this one over to you before I give my thoughts. And I think both you guys and the viewers can think of where I'm going to be going with Tom Wilson here. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the whole uh issue or if it even is an issue the the shenanigans here by tom wilson and do you think the league handled it it handled it in the correct manner what would you change or if anything would you change it i mean personally i love i love tom wilson as a player he's he's always he's always been a solid player in my eyes and, and a huge a huge asset especially for the washington capitals but come on like that was disgusting and the, like to think there's people who say like oh it's just hockey Come on, like, uh, what are you stuck in the seventies? It's, it's that's not hockey anymore. Like that dirty, it's a dirty play. He sent another player out, which was Panarin, with a. a I'm pretty sure he was like he was he was hurt or whatever for the rest of the season, and to throw Buchnevich down when he was in a vulnerable position, like it's kind of despicable on on the league that he only got a slap on the wrist. He literally just bought George Perros lunch. Like, come on, this guy's got a five million dollar cap hit. And he's given up five grand, like that. That was like to 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 compare something like that. Like McKinnon threw a helmet at another player and got five thousand dollars, and this guy just completely for five thousand dollars take in. Like the Rangers are in hell right now. Just just for five, Tom Wilson had to pay five thousand dollars to like to get Bushnevich suspended the game after, have an entire WWE wrestling match the game after, and, like, the, the GM and president for the Rangers were both fired. They had to pay a $250,000 fine. I'm pretty sure Wilson's just sitting there laughing watching this whole thing. And, I mean, to be honest, I think I think it's, it's obviously the Rangers, the players handled it the best they could. Like, the next game, I mean, they don't have really, like, gritty players to fight, but they, it shows that they stood up for their teammates and they're not just going to get knocked over, which is obviously what you'd like to see, especially from a team who looks like they're going to have a bright future. But, I mean, overall, like, Wilson, what he did was just completely wrong. Like you, like you guys have mentioned, he's a repeat offender. And for him just to, like, come on. Like, what, what, what is Peros doing? 
he's he's there for a reason. Like it's it's supposed to be NHL player safety, but players can't even like play without something like that happening. Like I don't know. And I think an, another thing, kind of the whole like fighting stuff, kind of ruined a really wholesome moment with Oshi with the hat trick after the first game back since his father passed away. Like that's just a Cinderella story, but. I don't know. I'm not too fond of what the league did, and obviously no one else is. So, kind of shows, right? Yeah, you're definitely uh, you're definitely correct in the way the league handled it. It's obviously, I think, a lot of people, majority of hockey fans uh, who sit down and watch any hockey game can say that uh, at any level of play can say that Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson's hit was a little not hit, but his play was over the line. There is a certain line that you can and can go over. He most definitely went over that line. And uh, you mentioned the way the league deal, uh, dealt with it being so poor. They dealt with it in such an unreasonable manner, even going back at the uh, New York Rangers with their statement and giving them a fine. Just an entire fiasco with them. And I like that you're also, like you mentioned, you're a Tom Wilson supporter. Like you're, You really like to watch him. Obviously, he is a good player when he, when he chooses to be. He can put up points oh, yeah, and he just 100%. knows his role on the ice. Great, great asset for the Washington Capitals and – most likely going to be in the future. Now I'm going to get into my thoughts on this Wilson hit, uh, Wilson play. Was it dirty? Most definitely, absolutely. I mean, you can't go <laughs> do that to any player, no matter who it is. People were arguing that it was Panarin. Uh, he shouldn't have jumped on his back like that. It doesn't mean a difference. He's jumping on the back because you punch his teammate in the back of the head. So you already crossed a line there, and now you're going and throwing a star player uh, in this league down and injuring him from the rest of the season now it's only three games right so the rest of the season doesn't mean too much but uh i really want to look at the player safety uh portion and the department in respect to the national hockey league uh the way like their purpose really like what's the purpose of player safety to keep players safe and they're (laughs) supposed to give discipline uh to guys like tom wilson who are repeat offenders and make sure that they're not supposed to be doing this this kind of stuff again and uh, $5,000 fines is not going to cut it. I'm sorry, Torteros, but not at all. taking him for lunch. Yeah, it's going to be a very expensive lunch that he's going to be loving and cherishing for the rest <laughs> of his life. He's made a free $5,000. And at the same time, like you mentioned, Josh, screwed the New York Rangers over getting two. I don't care which way you're looking at it. They got fired right after this kerfuffle and series of events between the uh, these two sides going at it with the Rangers and the National Hockey League. You got two guys fired if you're the NHL. You got two guys fired. You got a guy hurt for the rest of the season. And you just turned a TJ Oshie moment to a beautiful moment that we don't even look at anymore <laughs> because you didn't give Tom Wilson one game. All you needed to do was kick him out for one game and even ended up serving that suspension because he said he had an upper body injury. And I know we're not on camera or anything, but I'm really using these quotations lightly here. And uh, (laughs) it really is ridiculous. Do you want to say something, Josh? Yeah, I was going to say, like, to add on to what you're saying, just everybody kind of forgot that game was completely meaningless. Like, the Capitals... The every everybody every every team in that division had uh clinched already, so it was a game that meant next to nothing, which made it just more silly. Like it's it's it doesn't add up. The fact that this guy can do all this stuff, but it, it, like do all this, it's not even like a playoff game or like something that matters. It's just completely meaningless. Yeah, it blows my mind how meaningless hockey can result to this. And you know what also blows my mind? Uh, the National Hockey League 
and all these social media accounts, I don't blame them. I mean, this is what brings in the views. They really turn this game into uh, something that is going to bring in revenue and bring in the the ratings for this game. And they advertised it like a WWE match, like we've kind of been joking around like it would be. And uh, it actually turned out to be like that. And that's all they were focusing on. Nothing at all like the hockey. But the amount of fights and penalty minutes that uh, this game saw, just off the bat with the puck not even being dropped. And I want to ask you this question. I know I didn't really prepare it in the, uh, the pre-show here. But Aiden, I'm going to start with you. Is this the right way... If you're the National Hockey League, is this the right way to bring in views? And is it even sustainable for the National Hockey League to just keep advertising the fighting that they so always say in all their statements, they don't want to see this in the league. We mentioned guys getting hurt from uh, fights like this. Uh, the NHL, I think it was five or six years ago, brought in the rule where you can't take your helmet off when you're fighting. A lot of guys, and I remember who was notorious for this, uh, Fraser on the Maple Leafs, he would always take his helmet off when he was fighting. To show that he was tough and he wasn't, if he was going to go down, he was going to go down hard. But uh, NHL took this out of the game to help players from getting hurt. And I don't know, I think the NHL has turned into a hypocrisy here, trying to keep players safe and at the same time advertising for these fights and these games that are going to bring in so many ratings. Do you think uh, advertising the physicality of this game and the fights and seeing guys get hurt, like Artemi uh, Panarin, who's out for the year, may it be three games, who is out for the year and Anthony. Mantha getting a cross check to the face and Pavel uh, <laughs> Buchnevich getting one game for getting punched in the head. Uh, but do you think this is the right way to advertise the game? And is it sustainable? Definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, I think if you're trying to advertise for wrestling on ice, definitely go ahead. That's uh, what they were just doing. Seeing what was it, the entire the line brawl right off the puck drop? Like, I jokingly said, that's probably going to happen tonight. And then it happened as, like, a scene out of a movie. Like, <laughs> I was very, very confused when it actually happened. Um, I think the, the NHL is a contact sport, right? So when you're talking about contact and physicality, it goes to an extent. Uh, you can advertise guys getting hit, like, huge hits, as long as they're legal. This, it's not even hitting. This is like punching a guy who's like on the floor who's like already been knocked out. It's like punching a guy who's already been knocked out. And then you go to a guy, you body slap him on the ground while he has no helmet on. And then like, I don't even know what you call that. And then you flex while you're in the penalty box to the other team. <laughs> He's like showing off. He's like, what are you going to do? And the sad thing is that the league did nothing. Because the, the team can't do anything at that point. Wilson's already in the box. So the referees have done their job. They've given him a penalty. Uh, the team can't do anything because if they retaliate, they'll get a penalty as well. So they all they did was hope that Wilson would get a suspension here, and he didn't. And this is a guy who I forgot to mention this before. He got suspended earlier this season, not even like two seasons ago. Or throughout his career, he's been suspended. This season, he got six games. <laughs> and now he's got zero. <laughs> it's like they restarted his count or something. <laughs> you get a warning now, and then we'll give you suspensions after. Anyways, I think definitely you're not going to want to uh, advertise a game like that. That is just a really old school type of game. And the game of change has changed a lot. So it's definitely not what you're going to be getting on. And... Uh, nightly basis so hopefully. yeah and 
we're running a little short on time for this segment, at least. We spent so much time on this, and uh, reasonably so. I mean, there's so much to get into here. Uh, oh, yeah. And for who's bringing in the views? You want to say something, Josh? Oh no, 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 I was I was just agreeing with you, but like in terms yeah, of views, like they they I think the NHL already they already made their contract with Bally Sports, and they're not with ESPN anymore. So I, I think it's kind of useless to promote this type of hockey, like Aiden said, you know. Yeah, and the reason why I see it as being pointless is because it's unsustainable. You're not going to get a fight like this uh, and that this ca- uh, capability uh, every single night. Uh, this is a one-off thing. This is what's going to make – you go look at the month of May, or I wouldn't say May because now the playoffs are coming up, but if this happened in April, uh, you would see this game having the biggest – carrying most of the ratings, TV ratings, that is, uh, from uh, the, the month. Uh, Aiden, I know you're a marketing guy. You're more into the business side of things. That's what you're planning on getting into. Uh, in order to sell a product successfully, it has to be sustainable. Am I not wrong? Am I wrong in saying that? Definitely, definitely. You're not. You're not going to see fighting like this every night. Definitely exactly. not. It's, so it's, if you advertise it, the the fans will be expecting this all the time. They'll be like, "Oh my god, they're going to be line brawls every night. It's going to be body slams to the eyes." No, that doesn't happen. That's why it's such. There's such a roar after it happened because we've never really seen something like this. I think I think the last time we've seen this was probably in like 2016, 2015. Like <clears throat> I think it was the Rangers again. But like, like adding on to what you're saying, like <clears throat> I just, just like you said, it's not sustainable. What 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 is sustainable is seeing players that are like insanely good making these plays that like we've never seen before. Like seeing McDavid, I think we're going to talk about that later. Getting a hundred points in fifty-six game, fifty-three games, it's just outstanding. But I mean, in terms of marketing, like it's, it's not. It's that's not what like we're going to see every night. You, you never see that. It's, it's not. It's not going to. Nothing's going to happen. You know. <clears throat> yeah, and speaking of sustainability and uh, what can or cannot be sustained, uh, Connor McDavid, like you said is no exception to this and we're going to move on from Mr. Tom Wilson here and get on to what most most hockey fans are looking forward to and what is sustainable at least for Connor McDavid reaching 100 points in 53 regular season games. I'm not sure why are we why we are so surprised with this, but I think many could have predicted McDavid hauling in 4 points in a game to reach the 100 point mark even though he had another 3 to do so. It would have been McDavid if he didn't take the path less traveled uh to 100 yep. points. Doing it earlier than expected, and of course, in a shortened season, nonetheless. Uh, the date played a big factor as well as it seems like every Saturday night is where McDavid uh, tends to let all all of his nif- all of his nifty tricks out of his sleeve. Uh, we saw it in the most notable one that I've seen, at least repeated about a million times, is the one where he goes N ten against the Maple Leafs, and uh, in their Maple Leafs donning their ugly reverse retro jerseys, and the Oilers donning their beautiful white ones on home ice. Uh, <laughs> Going all through the Maple Leafs, defense and forwards alike, and finishing a, a beautiful finish on Frederick Anderson, who never even had a chance from the beginning. But uh, McDavid accomplished a ridiculous milestone, in my opinion. Reaching 100 points in 53 games is almost unheard of, as he makes headway both in the history books and with his team's great ancestors. That is the great one, Wayne Gretzky. And now before I get into this debate that has circulated the rooms and the mouths of every hockey fan between McDavid and the great one, and I had this big one with my father just hours prior to the show. Uh, that got pretty heated. Uh, what is the one thing missing from Connor's play over his tenure with the Oilers? I'm going to start with you, Josh. Uh, what could you say is one thing missing? I think we can. I think it's sort of the elephant in the room here. 
with uh, McDavid and the team he plays for. What is missing from his play? And there's not too big of a list. I mean, uh, I mean, <clears throat> in terms of offense, absolutely nothing needs to change. He's probably the most dynamic offensive player we've ever seen. Personally, I, I, I mean, <clears throat> there's no. The, the, I think the main difference when you're talking about Gretzky and uh, McDavid, obviously, Gretzky's numbers are absolutely astonishing but you you don't you don't see like there was like a no hitting Gretzky rule like if you hit him you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get in so many fights like the goalies were awful but at the same time like McDavid's just ridiculous if if he were to improve anything which is almost nothing would just be a little bit more defensive game you know uh put if, if he could play on the penalty kill that'd be that'd make him the perfect player because when I watch him, he, he plays relatively physical. He He's probably the best player I've ever watched at taking the puck away from another player. It's just he does it when nobody's ready. Obviously, he's the fastest player to play with the puck. He's got incredible hands. His his IQ and vision is just on another level. I mean, <clears throat> at this point, he's almost not human. <laughs> I'm starting to refuse to believe it. This guy, assuming it's an 82-game season, he's on pace for 154.7 points in an 82-game season. Last time we saw 155 points was in 1988, the 1988-99 season, which was Stevie Y, which is just – he's putting up numbers that's just unseen in the modern era. Yeah, and we're sort of whiffing at air when we're trying to nitpick uh, McDavid and his uh, playing style and what he brings – both on and off the ice. Uh, he's exceptionally a crazy, ridiculous, game-changing player. Uh, and obviously, as a player at his caliber and his talent offensively, absolutely nothing to change there. His shots there, his passings there. You can't do skatings there with the puck, without the puck, taking the puck, everything with the puck. Uh, he does well. Uh, the defensive side is the only thing you really can focus on. He's not even that bad on that side of the ice either. Not at all. Uh, yeah, it's very, very few and in between for things that we have to focus on with McDavid. Uh, not many things missing from his toolbox of uh, play. I'm going to turn this one over to you, Aiden. Do you think anything's missing from not just Connor McDavid's play, but sort of his resume as an Edmonton Oiler? Well, definitely McDavid is an offensive powerhouse. He's known for uh, putting up huge numbers like you guys have been talking about. And I got to agree with Josh that saying McDavid could add some defensive, uh, some better defensive play to his game. But I'm not going to take the easy route on this uh, question. I'm probably going to say that it's not going to be so much something that he's lacking from his game. It's something that he has, which uh, negatively impacts him sometimes. And that is that he is a bit of a hothead, to say the least. When McDavid is he's known for getting mad, uh, whether that's when he's down or when he takes a bad penalty or any examples, uh, McDavid's known for getting a little bit chippy and uh, taking some bad penalties and negatively impacting his team when he is frustrated. Uh, we saw it earlier on in the season when he did throw that high hit on Gasperi Kokanyemi and that cost him a penalty. And that, if you remember, the Montreal Canadiens, I believe they shut out the Edmonton Oilers that game. Mm-hmm. So obviously, as we see, when McDavid, he is frustrated. Uh, he gets away from his game a little bit. Uh, both offensively and in his mental game. So I definitely think that's something, if he did add, uh, he'd be even more unstoppable. 
Yeah, it's definitely a great point on your part. I didn't really think of that until uh, you started mentioning the mental part of the game. And I automatically went to that game where he did take that high elbow penalty that really costed the Edmonton Oilers that game in which him and Drysdale got shut out. Uh, and it was at that time for a couple of games in a row that they haven't been producing too much offensively. So definitely, and very minor, the mental game is something you might have to work on. And obviously, he is still young at a point of his age, and he will most definitely mature. And take in, he is also the captain of the team. So what he says and what he does on the ice really plays a huge part in the guys around him. And that's kind of what I'm going to take on. That's the angle I'm going to take for this question here. And the one thing that's missing, not just from Connor McDavid's game, it doesn't really have to do much with his game, but his resume his playoffs, his playoffs, like he, the Edmonton Oilers, they've made the playoffs. I want to say two times, maybe three when he, when he's been on this team and uh, they just have had no luck with it at all. Now you could blame this on the, the Edmonton Oilers, lack of depth, their goaltending. Uh, there's so many factors that contribute to oh, why a team is unsuccessful mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And McDavid, to his part, he does a lot in the playoffs, but I don't think we've seen him absolutely tear up a playoff series like he does in the regular season. So, I think that's the one thing missing from his game. Obviously, it's not something you can really look at or turn to because the Edmonton Oilers, unfortunately, don't make the playoffs every year. Maybe it's going to start looking like that uh, in the near future. Obviously, this year they've clinched the playoff spot. We're going to see if McDavid tears up, and I'm, I, I can really uh, see him doing so. But I think that's the one thing missing from his game, him just taking uh, get, taking the keys and running away with a, the Edmonton Oilers and carrying them to a uh, playoff series victory. Uh, we see it so much in basketball, a team where all the stars really carry or teams are top heavy and the stars really carry their team towards the final. How many times have we seen guys like LeBron James go to this, the, the finals? He is the best player in basketball right now uh, and has been for so long. I think McDavid has to sort of evolve around those kind of players, those kind of athletes and sort of take, take that role as a player and as a captain. And uh, transition his game that way. But uh, other than that, the offensive side of things is there. The defensive side obviously can use some work. And the mental game is always going to be a work in progress, no matter which way you split it at the age he is at. But uh, we're going to move on here. And speaking of the Edmonton Oilers, they're in the playoffs, just like the Maple Leafs and likely to be the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens. But with much of the league either done the year or less than five games left to play, many t- uh, tickets are being punched and guaranteed into the postseason. The Central Division uh, is all set up, basically, with the Battle of Florida preceding the first and fourth match between the Canes and the Preds. It's still a dogfight for playoff seating in the East, with the Pens locking up a date with, uh, with either the Islanders or the Bruins both of which fighting for that third seed, who are likely to battle Ovi and the Caps. You can put a stamp on the Central and mail it to your mother on this fine Mother's Day evening with either the Golden Knights or the Avalanche making a first-round appearance with the St. Louis Blues, who hang on for the final spot in the Central Division after a mediocre-at-best season for this St. Louis squad, who were so highly touted to do good things in this division. Uh, the Wild will take on the Avalanche or Knights, depending on which team of the two take the cake of the Central. And the North, like we so mentioned on this show, is just about set with the Maple Leafs taking on the Habs. Unless the, the Jets either really fall uh, down this next couple of games or the Flames mirac- miraculously win their final stretch of games. They have to be perfect in order to get a playoff spot. And the Habs and Jets have to be really bad for this to be true. And the Oilers secured the second place position in the North and will face off between the Jets and and the Habs, both battling for the third in the North. Uh, with the playoffs matchups nearly set in stone, 
which series are you guys looking forward to the most? And when do you think the postseason will even begin with the Vancouver Canucks still having to play, uh, I believe it's the Calgary Flames, and other teams that have already been eliminated from the playoffs uh, in the next couple of weeks? I'm going to start with you, Aiden. Uh, what team, uh, or what playoff matchup, rather, are you looking forward to watching the most? Not just as a fan, but uh, as of, of, of watching the season all, all year long and seeing how it's been playing out. Which, season, which series intrigues you the most? Well, as a guy who likes goal scoring, I'm going to have to go with the Wilds versus Avalanche series as it stands right now. Uh, for whatever reason, when when these two teams play against each other, uh, there seems to be a lot of goals going in, even though both sides uh, have really good goaltending. So, but for whatever reason, one team just decides to light the lamp that night every night uh, every time they play each other. I think this is definitely a series which has a lot of superstars in it. Uh, I really want to see how McKinnon responds. He's been deep into the playoffs many times. And who knows? This could be the year for the Avalanche. Uh, there's a lot of good teams going into the playoffs this year, though. Uh, so he'll definitely have to fight for it. And I think in that first round, it'll be a tight matchup between them. Um, if you look at the other side of things, uh, from the Wilds' perspective, uh, Kirill the Thrill, the rookie sensation, He's been amazing to watch all season, and I think if we if he performs like that in the playoffs, you're going to have to give this guy a ginormous contract whenever the ELC is up because he is just absolutely insane. He's probably going to be one of the best in a few years. Such a phenomenal player. But I think definitely this series will be a fun one to watch, a lot of goals. Uh, hopefully not all of the games where giant blowouts. Uh, you like to see some – some tighter matchups, but I think definitely the Wilds versus Avalanche series will be a must-watch. Yeah, definitely a free willy kind of series and a uh, barn burner, to say the least, between these two teams, as it's been throughout this entire season. You mentioned Krill the Thrill Kaprizov here uh, on the show, and we always go back to him. He's really been the uh, cornerstone of the, the Minnesota Wild this entire year, uh, head and shoulders, I'd say, over the competition in this Calder race. And uh, he's really... You, you mentioned he's earning, he's going to have to get a big contract. This guy's a late bloomer. He's, I believe he's 24 years old or maybe a bit younger. Not too sure of the age on him, but uh, he was drafted a little while ago and has na- just now come to uh, playing at his full potential and what everyone projected him to be. Uh, definitely a key force for the Minnesota Wild uh, this, this whole season and is going to be, and the Minnesota Wild need him to be, uh, going to this big playoff series against the Avs, who are a team who are expected, like last year, to go deep and on a deep playoff run. I'm going to turn this one over to you, Josh. Who do you think, or at least what matchup do you think is going to be the most intriguing to your eye? And uh, I'm going to turn this one over as well. Uh, which one, which player do you think will have to be most vital into the the series of your choice? I mean, uh, there's obviously a lot, a lot I could talk about. There's like... There's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of interesting ones. Like uh, we're gonna see the Islanders and Penguins battle it out once again, just like they did a few years ago. But there's also the like the a big matchup. I I'm really excited to see is the Battle of Florida because we I don't I don't remember the last time I've seen that. But as a Habs fan, I've never seen it in my life. I gotta go with the Habs and Leafs. It's just it's something I've been waiting for for so long, and now that it's most likely finally going to happen is just so exciting to watch. I, I think personally, I think for the Leafs, if, if they, if they want to win, 
Jack Campbell's got to stay on top of this game as much as he has been playing lately. Obviously, like every goaltender, he had a small, a very small patch, a r- r- rocky road, but I think it was maybe two, three games where he played weak. But besides that, he's been almost, he's been nothing but almost perfect. And if if the Leafs want to win, they, they got to rely on him. D- despite despite having a, f- a, a solid team, a solid depth team this year, especially ahead of Campbell, um, I think I think uh, Jack Campbell's got to be on his game because if if he's not there, there's not much they can fall back on in terms of goaltending. But in terms of the Habs, I not I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say the same thing. They need their goaltending. Without the goaltending, I think they're gonna get lit up by because the Leaf is a great the Leafs are a great goal scoring team, and <clears throat> despite being a a pretty solid def- I would say a, a pretty decent defending team. Uh, the the Leafs just managed to get so many shots on net and create so many chances. They need they need a solid goaltender in that. So I'm gonna go Carey Price. Yeah, both great options. Obviously, we always discuss on this show how important goaltending is, not just in the preliminary round of the season, uh, playoff series, but beyond. You're gonna have to have a hot goaltender really perform to you for you if you really want to steal a series. And I think this is gonna be a situation where someone or some team is going to have to steal the series from somebody else. And there's going to have to be a turning point, and I think the goaltending is where it's going to be found. For me, i got to go with the Battle of Florida. As much as I want to see this Leafs-Habs series, of course, it's in my heart and in my bias. My dad hasn't even seen this series, so it's definitely be a fun moment with us. But uh, the series I'm looking to see is the battle between the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, we've never seen this before, at least in my life I haven't seen this before. Obviously, with the Atlantic Division, the Tampa usually being so strong. And in those years, the Florida Panthers usually being very weak. And if the Panthers are strong, well, there's nobody in the fans watching or paying attention to it. So uh, definitely a matchup that I really want to look forward to. And I think it's going to be, many believe it's going to be a high scoring one with the offensive prowess of the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, th- I got to go the other way here. And I'm going to say it's going to be a low scoring affair, tight games between these two teams, both known for playing really explosive hockey, but I think the goaltending is going to have to step up. And I do think uh, Spencer Knight, I believe his name is. I could mess yeah. up on the first name, but uh, great goaltender, played terrific in the uh, World Juniors last in the in December. Uh, it's going to be a great series for uh, goaltending. Vasilevsky to uh, favorite to win the Vezina, and a youngster who I think should get the start. Who's been playing terrific in his uh, in his less games with the team with the Florida Panthers. I think it's going to be a fun series to watch, and I think I'm going to transition into the hot takes perfect segue for this this leads to my hot take uh i'm gonna center this take around this series and i'm gonna say the florida panthers upset the tampa there's no way i know you know what here's the thing my hot take was what i was thinking of was exactly what mario was saying look i I think wait seriously i I was thinking the same thing i think the main reason why florida is going to edge them out especially as of right now uh they're, the the Tampa Bay Lightning are missing key defensemen. They're missing, at least from what I know right now, is Ryan McDonough, Victor Hedman, David Savard. Like those are three big defensemen, like three big assets to their defensive game. And right now, like they're missing all three of them. So it's, it'll it'll be interesting. <laughs> go go ahead with what you're gonna say, Mario, because. <laughs> 
Yeah, Aiden, if this comes to you, you owe me a Snickers bar to say the least. But uh, I think a key contributor to this win is going to be, and I love this goalie so much, I might buy my first ever goaltending jersey. And it's going to be a Florida Panthers jersey, which might be weird. But Spencer Knight, I think he's going to stand on his head in this one. And I think, and I don't, this is, this is, man, this is looking at it from the outside. And it's a really big hot take. But I think he's going to outduel the Vezina winner, uh, Andre Vasilevsky. And uh, I think he's going to really tame this so explosive Tampa Bay offense. Uh, and if this comes true, oh, my goodness, I think this is going to be the hot take of the year and very close to Aiden's Jack Eichel one. But, uh, yeah, this is my hot take. We don't know if it's going to come true or not. I mean, the proof can be in the pudding. Spencer Knight's been perfect through his uh, starts with the club. So you, I'm only really going off of what I've seen. Is it going to sustain a bet against Tampa Bay? I think so. And I'm going to go with saying the Florida Panthers upset the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round and probably will go on to lose the second round against the Kings. But who knows about that? And we'll transition to your hot take. What do you got planned for us on this week? And we don't have Iaboni to make fun of. So I think you might be getting the, uh, the boot for this one. Well, I don't know how you can make fun of me if I wrote literally the exact same thing as you. Um, <laughs> Like Mary just said, my hot take is that Florida Panthers eliminate Tampa Bay Lightning, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. So I'll just uh, say what I have it written here. So uh, now if we look at the season series between these two teams, uh, Florida's currently leading 4-3, to three, with the last game between them coming tomorrow, actually, which is their last game of the season for, I think it might be just be Florida. I think Tampa might be playing one after that, but I'm not completely sure. Uh, so clearly the Panthers have been evenly matched with the Lightning, but Florida has had a slight edge, uh, especially recently with the injuries Josh was just talking about. I think going forward in the playoffs, I think Florida will have the edge not only because of their fantastic trade deadline, but also because of Tampa's injuries. So, obviously, on the topic of the trade deadline, Florida acquired Sam Bennett from the Calgary Flames, and in his small sample size with this team, he has definitely been a scoring threat uh, to the point where he's actually been breaking some Panthers records. So well, he's been crazy. nothing but a stud with the Panthers. I, I think he has 15 points in 10 games, and oh. I think that's more than he had with the Flames. Yeah, so. he's with the Flames just playing. I mean, I think it was. I think with the Flames also had to do with coaching staff. You know, like yeah, definitely. I mean, what are you gonna do there? Clearly, he wasn't working out somewhere, so you you're forced to move him. So. It's a tough situation for Calgary. Uh, if you look at their other notable accusations, you got Brandon Montour, who we talked about at the trade deadline, and Nikita Gusev, who they actually bought out. So these are just more guys to add to the team to uh, really add more depth and make the team more complete as a whole. Now let's talk about Tampa's injuries a bit here. So Josh already uh, mentioned uh, McDonough and uh, Savard and Hedman. So but what I have right. written here is we got Stamco who's currently out, right? In fact, he's actually on LTIR, and he should be back for game one of the playoffs. Uh, you got Hedman, who's currently listed as day-to-day with a lower body injury. He should also be back for the playoffs. And, of course, Nikita Kucherov, who's still practicing with the team, and will also be back for the playoffs. So, you may be asking, if all these guys are going to be back for the, back for the playoffs, how will these previous injuries benefit Florida? Uh, well... If you look at Kucherov, he has not played a game all season. So it's really yet to be seen how he'll perform since his surgery, uh, especially in a 
playoff atmosphere where games are a lot tighter and a lot more physical. So that's definitely going to be an iffy situation. But obviously, he is a superstar, and we know how really offensively talented he is. Uh, you got Hedman, who just recently got injured. And I've actually read from multiple sources that is it is an issue that he was actually dealing with before. So if that is the case, uh, I think he'll definitely most likely be having to play through that injury come playoff time. So that'll definitely be um, a rough patch for Tampa's top defenseman and one of the top defensemen in the league. And then you got Stamkos yet again. He's missed a lot of games due to injury this season. And he's actually already been injured twice. So I just think combined with the depth that Florida now has and Tampa superstars all coming back from injury, the Panthers will have the advantage in the end. Yeah, I mean, you gave me a nice big essay to dissect. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, everything you said was pretty much bang on, though. Like, Oh, no, 100%. I like like what you said about Sam Bennett, and you chimed in as well, mm -hmm. Josh, about Sam Bennett. And it just goes to show you what a change in scenery can do for a player. Obviously, the coaching and the management in uh, Calgary just simply wasn't working for Bennett, who was – we all know is capable of producing at the top level and on top minutes. And uh, I don't think he was even playing that high of minutes with the flames. I could be wrong here. No, he he, wasn't. uh, Yeah. So if you're not using a player like that to your full potential, uh, that's what you're going to get from him. And the uh, Florida Panthers are really using him to uh, what he can really provide. And uh, Josh, I don't know if it was, did you already say your hot take and, or if you want to take it a step further and say that the Florida Panthers are going to sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning? I don't know if we're going to get no, I mean, I, mean uh, <laughs> I was going to talk a bit about Florida, but I'll take, I'll take a different turn. Um, Matthews isn't winning Rocky Rich. No, I'm joking. Obviously, he's going to win that, but um, I, I'll take, you know what, I'll take I'm a controversial take. turn. Good thing. You know what? Thank goodness Iaboni's not here because he would be freaking out if I said this. I'll take a very controversial, maybe a bit biased, but I think maybe in the playoffs, if assuming Montreal makes it, it's, it's they still haven't clinched, but assuming Montreal makes it, maybe uh, there's a chance that they beat the Leafs. I think if if they can put Gallagher in, if they can put their top guys in, they, they got a lot of depth this year from, from what we've said all the time, Mario. Montreal's a huge second line. They don't got many superstars to... They don't got any superstars if, like at all, but... I mean, overall, there's not what like when I'm watching games, there's not really many players who I see who don't belong there. Like all the players belong there. They've played fantastic in the playoffs last year with a much weaker team. They almost edged out the the Flyers who were a top seed. So honestly, I mean, anything's possible. Looking back at uh, what we were talking about far earlier, but uh, how Columbus edged out uh, Tampa who was president trophy winners in four they sweep them i think i think there's a there's a possibility maybe small but there's still a possibility montreal could come out on top against the leafs despite it being unrealistic man you really had the chick that cheap shot with the hot take at me cuz uh <laughs> can't really say you're wrong cuz you know the leafs have a a tendency to really not do anything in the first round, so I can't really say anything off of that. Uh, I can't really say much against the habs cuz they always perform in the playoffs so can't really go against that uh also the the Habs have a, just a, a prolific a, like a huge amount of second line forwards and gritty guys exactly. so they have the ability to uh edge out a playoff series and steal a series so 
Can't say much about that. They also have Carey Price, who I know for a fact he's going to go on turn the dial up with his first game back in like a month and a half and shut out the Maple Leafs three games in a row. So I can't say much about that. I mean, so, if, uh, you, if you want me to add, I, I could just bring up no, that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm this, 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 despite, despite many people saying he's old, I mean, Corey Perry has been nothing but great with the Habs. He's, he's been playing his position. He's been sitting in front of the net. He's a big body. And if you watch the game, he, he's, he's noticeable. He's, he's a threat in front of the net. He makes good passes. He feeds to Foley a lot. I, th- I think he's going to be dangerous in the playoffs, just like he was last year. You know, I'm I'm grateful we don't go live with this show because I think Iboni would come to your house and really <laughs> give you something. But uh, I mean, no, no, you're not. I mean, you're not wrong at all. Like you, you obviously raised so, so good points about what the Habs can do. It's not unreasonable at all. I mean, the Leafs have equipped themselves to go deep in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. But the Habs also have a tendency to play well in the playoffs, and uh, they have they they know how to beat the Maple Leafs. They've done it, I think, three times this season. The Leafs have had their number, but yeah, the season means nothing. When you come to the postseason, it matters how you play then. And the, uh, the, post, the postseason is a fresh start. It's it's a it's a complete new season. Like like you said, it's, exactly. it's the reason it's called the postseason. I mean, if if we want to if we want to talk about Leafs Habs, like obviously I'm a Habs fan. I have a complete different view from you guys. But I think it's going to be a great season. If they if the Leafs win, however, I think they're going to go extremely far because it's like the the first round's their enemy. I think. Just, just like how Montreal had the curse with the blue jerseys this year, the Leafs, the Leafs' first round is their curse. So, I mean, if if they can make it through, I have a solid feeling that they're gonna go somewhere. See, the difference between blue jerseys and first round eggs is that you can burn blue jerseys. But uh, <laughs> okay, but I mean, you can't you, un- can, you can't unsee the Leafs losing four to uh, losing a four one lead to the Boston Bruins. But anyways, like you mentioned, <laughs> the playoffs is a totally different animal, and we'll just have to see where this goes but after the hot takes that's our show that's episode 13 of the leash line podcast i mean i want to thank josh it was, I mean, it was i thought it was really fun going back and forth with it i'd really like to see you with iboni in the show as well <laughs> that'd but, be that'd be uh, a lot of fun did you have a good time on the show no i liked it i liked it a lot no it was, it was definitely fun yeah and i'm hoping we could do it again in the future uh no matter when this future may be uh aiden i want to thank you for joining us as well as always bringing in that amazing, beautiful insight about the Florida Panthers and a three-page essay that I'm probably going to be reading later tonight. But I'd also like to just thank our listeners out there for tuning in to this decently long episode. Obviously, a lot to unpack, especially with uh, the menace to society, Tom Wilson. But uh, other than that, thank you all for listening. Uh, tune in next Sunday for episode 14. Jeez, it goes far and it goes a long way. Uh, Hope to see you guys uh, there and yeah, have a great evening.